and I think we're live. Okay, so uh, what's up, guys? Uh, I'm Cameron. I'm Armand. And uh, we're going to start off a little podcast for ourselves. We're calling ourselves Jark, Jark Entertainment. Um, for now, we're just going to do a little introduction as to who we are. Uh, so my name is Cameron, as I just mentioned. A little bit about me, I am a grade 12 high school student at the moment, and uh, I'm basically stuck at home, really bored out of my mind, so I'm deciding to do a podcast with one of my best friends that I've known for a while. Yep, so uh, like Cameron said, and I said before, my name's Armand, and I too am stuck at home. Uh, We decided to start this. It's been something that we've entertained for a while, but um, especially now that we have the time, we definitely wanted to do something with our free time. And this is a great way for us to communicate and also get our thoughts out into the world. So we've been chilling for the most part. And uh, this COVID thing has really affected us. Uh, I don't know about you, Armand, but like I've been playing video games all day and I haven't done much more. I try to work out to stay active, but sometimes I get lazy with that. Um, So... That's really how it's affected me. I've been stuck at home like everyone else and uh, just playing video games and really like the education side of it has affected me too because it's my senior year and there's I'm not able to see my friends. Like it sucks. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, it's a big part of senior year, right? I mean, by the end, by this point, you're you're typically done. Most people have their acceptances by now. It's really, this is just the time for making memories and one last hurrah before everyone goes off their own way to secondary, post-secondary education. Right. The scariest part is, like, our marks are currently being affected, right? And our midterm marks weren't even in before this started. So it was, like, before our March break, which was around March 10th, I think. 13th. This all started, 13th? Yes. And it all started. And, like, we're really, like, I've been stressing a lot because online education just isn't cutting it. Like, it is. it, it's working so far for me, but I'm worried about how my teachers are going to grade me without seeing me, right? Because, like, you rely on that connection, that physical connection with your teacher talking to the person, appealing to their emotional side sometimes, yeah. that uh, it helps your mark and helps people learn about who you are. Yeah. So that's one of my biggest concerns. I mean, I don't know about you, but what yeah. do you think? Yeah. So um, as of right now, so the new board policy is that what they're doing is that our marks on March 13th, so the day March break started, are going to be our midterm marks. Those are the marks that they're technically supposed to use for our midterms. They are giving but, students an opportunity to, to increase their marks, but only increase. They can give bonus assignments. And if you do badly, then it doesn't lower your mark. It can only improve you. So those those assignments that they're making us do, they, they can't hurt us in any way. No, no way at all. It's really just uh, you either go up or you stay the same. Okay, that's that's not terrible. But then what happens the rest of the year? Because honestly, it doesn't look like we're going back. We're not. In Canada, we're, in, we're located in Canada. This thing is just hitting its start of, uh, of its trend. Yeah, so the peak is estimated to be by the end of April based on what they're seeing right now in models. So I don't, I personally don't think we're going back either. So it really is just, um, you got to make the best of what you can. Uh, it really isn't cutting it, especially for the STEM courses. Like I have biology now online. It really isn't cutting it. We're only going to get through half of course by the end of the year. 
but it, it really right. can't do much. But you're going to need that information. So you got to step up your own game and really like try hard to make sure that you know the material for your university yeah. or your college. Realistically, um, I'm going to need to go at the same pace in order to learn everything. I'm just going to have to self-teach most of it. Right, which isn't necessarily a bad skill, but a lot of people don't have that capacity, that internal, um, what, what do you call it? Like self Yeah, they, they just can't. Yeah. And forget even self-regulation, just understanding. What if you're reading through something and you have no idea what it is? And you have what? You have one hour a week to ask your teacher questions. Two if you're lucky and they have office hours running. It, it isn't feasible for a lot of people. Right. So, like, what, what's your opinion on trying to, to overcome it? Like, how do you, how, what tips do you have to suggest to people to become better at self-regulation and studying by yourself? So it really depends on your course and also what you're interested on your own. I, I tend to find that courses you're interested in, subjects that you enjoy, you, you tend to just study them anyway. Like when I took history last semester and I really liked that, and I, was, I found myself reading my textbook in my free time. Mm-hmm. Man, you, you're a nerd. <laughs> uh, maybe, but it helps me, right? Now, in terms right. of STEM, uh, there really isn't much you can do. You can really just do your best. And right now, the mindset the teachers have, especially what they're getting from the board, is you have to accommodate your students because of that. So right now, marks aren't going to really be going down for the most part. They should be staying the same or going up. In, in terms of tips, I'd say just keep up with the same amount of coursework you'd have to do anyway during the year and just use whatever tools you have available. You have, if you have a computer, you can use Google. Uh, look up resources on YouTube. It, you really just got to like um, improvise, honestly. There isn't much you can really do. Right. And for the people that don't know, can you like explain a bit more about what the STEM is? Um, so, yeah, STEM is uh, science, technology, um, engineering, and mathematics. So it's courses right. in that sphere. So science would be um, bio, physics, chem. That could be comm sci. It would be... Uh, Calculus would be math. Advanced functions would be math. Uh, engineering would be, again, physics. Um, anything in that sphere. So not arts right. courses, not social science courses, not English courses. Yeah, that's true. But imagine those people that took gym right now. What are they doing? <laughs> They're, turning They're not doing anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and They're not doing anything. Spot. Like let me, like even me, for example, I, I took music, instrumental music. And um, all we're going to be doing is just history, music history. The only homework we've done is just to watch a documentary and fill out a questionnaire about it. That sounds really, really like painstakingly boring. It is. And it's not the teacher's fault. They're trying their best. It's just what we can do right now. No, one, right. no one's so, to blame. It's all we can do. Do you think you would be able to go back to the school and pick up your instrument? Would that be beneficial for, for people? Do you think that they, they should implement stuff for students to go get the, the resources they need from their schools? So like, even, like we didn't see this coming really before the March break. Uh, what yeah. if you left your binders at school with all your notes in it? Like you're lost right now. You have nothing. You're starting from scratch from an entire yeah. semester, yeah. which a third of it had gone by. It's It's incredibly difficult. I mean, we're blessed to have access to our technology and everything, um, but some people always write their notes handwritten. I know I have some of my notes that are handwritten. Yeah, for and, sure. Um, I I took mine with my with me, but yeah, what about those people? Like, yeah. So 
right now, the general consensus, because I've had three, no, I've had four, I've spoken to all four of my teachers, and uh, their general consensus is we're not going to have a final exam this year. So all you really need those notes for is for a final exam. I think that it would be good if they could schedule a time for people to go back, maybe even one by one if they had to, a time block per student to just get what they need. But if they don't, there's ways to work around that. Um, the board sent out a letter a week ago, and, and one of the points that they listed is that that was something they'd consider, that students might not have access to their notes or anything else they need for a course. And they're just encouraging their teachers to try their best to work around that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's really taken a toll on everyone, I think. Uh, right in the comment section, how it's how it's taken a toll on you, and we can even discuss about some more of the global economic impacts for the next episode. Um, so uh, we talked a little bit about gaming at the beginning. Have yeah. you been gaming at all? I have. A lot more than I should. A lot more than I <laughs> hoped I would. I hope I can but keep I mean, it controlled, but, you know, it's been a free fall that, back in. That gaming that you do, though, it's a connection with probably your friends, right? You you talk online with your friends. You work as a like as team to, to play a game and do the objective task. I mean, Not, yeah, I'm trying to for kill, sure. kill a lot of time right now, but for sure. it's something to fall back on. Yeah, the, the team aspect for sure, but I've also been exploring a lot of uh, story-based gaming and i think i've been um, exploring a lot about the uh, the mindset that games can be a storytelling means that they have narrative value as well and i've really discovered that in some of the games that i've played over the course of this break so can you give like some examples as to what games those are like i oh, I, yeah. I myself i've been playing fortnite a lot and uh i recently got red dead redemption 2 and I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, uh, the new one, which I really enjoyed the campaign mode on that. That was, I think it was well done. I'm no game expert, though, but uh, if you have anything to say. Oh, yeah. So I, I played Red Dead Redemption to a little less than a year ago, I think. I started and I finished a couple months ago. And that's a That's a gorgeous game, both in terms of narrative and also just visuals. I mean, for a game that was eight years in the making, you kind of expect that, right? But still, it blew people away. You, you don't really see a lot of sequels that top up and improve upon the first in terms of gaming, in the gaming world. But that was definitely one that really, really impressed people who had been expecting it to be mediocre at best. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even play the first game, but this game, this, this game is like, it's really addicting and... The missions that you go on, the graphics, everything is so well thought out, and I really enjoy playing it. When I sit down, I spend maybe four hours uh, without watching the time go by, and I'm on my horse just riding through the map, through the trees. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's very easy to get lost in, um, in that game. It really is. Uh, another game that I, I picked up, I played through, um, a week or two ago was uh, the Shadow of the Colossus remaster, and that's a game that I hadn't played the original, and I was I was blown away. I thought it was gorgeous, and it is considered one of the greatest games ever made, and I can definitely see why now. Gorgeous visually and um, both in the storytelling, very very broad and very uh, vague storytelling. You don't you're not told much. Um, you're meant to just explore and the story kind of unravels as you go along and it was gorgeous. It blew me away. 
Uh, what console do you play on quickly? I just want to... Uh, I play on PS4. Alright. I, I also play on Xbox. I know there's a little feud between the two, but yeah. we all know Xbox is a bit better. Uh, um, that's, that's a discussion for another episode, maybe. You gotta go in depth on that one. For sure. I'll, I'll debate with you on that for sure. Oh yeah, well, I can debate um, for hours about that. We should definitely say that for the future. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so the future of the gaming industry is looking really good right now. Um, it is. With the, the growth in the technology uh, field, better graphics, uh, rendering speeds, and, and better processors. Everything is just becoming so much better, and it's allowing game makers to add more and uh, and really attract a larger audience through it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, especially when people are at home now, there's obviously going to be a lot more sales. Like, look at um, Animal Crossing, new Animal Crossing game, New Horizons. It came out a week ago, maybe, and yeah. the response to that was just incredible. It was overwhelming. Yeah. People yeah, breaking no, quarantine no. to go get it. People lining up uh, all over social media. is It made a really big buzz. And that's because it, people don't have much else to do. It's crazy. Like, I, I read an article the other day. Nintendo Switches were sold out globally. Not even in, yeah. in, in the USA and Canada. Globally, they're sold out. That's insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this, the Switch, it's it's been around for, I think, two and a half years now. It's not a new yeah. console. But no, to have not. that much demand all of a sudden with a new game coming out for it as well, it's it's mind-boggling uh, where all this money is coming from. So we see that like people are still willing to spend money uh, in this time of this pandemic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when it comes to personal entertainment. Um, the gaming industry itself, just in general, forgetting about this pandemic, is its future is very bright in my opinion. As as time goes on and graphics get better and studios grow and they bring in more money, they have more room for growth and for exploration in what they want to make, the messages they want to spread. And I definitely think that compared to 20 years ago, gaming has such a massive, much bigger presence in society than it did back then. And people are starting to warm up to the idea that, hey, gaming isn't just something that uh, 12-year-olds do until midnight and it's bad for them and it burns their brain, you know? it's People are starting right. to see as games can be, forgive me for reaching if you think, but I think that games can be art, not just in their visuals, but in the stories that they tell. I see that. I see that a lot. Like, you look at some of the new games that are coming out for children, there there's a lot more interactive way to learn. Uh, even some simple games like word word crossing and like coming up with uh, and elaborating your skills to uh, to connect those dots and to learn better through video games. Um, and then there's the the other demographic that appeals to more mature um, uh, gamers, uh, like our first person shooter games and uh, those that I guess you're saying that like art wise. It's the graphics and the detail that goes into making that game. Not just the detail and the graphics. When I think of games, I don't think of Call of Duty, especially when I think of games that I consider to be art. I don't think that Call of Duty is art. I think that it's, um, this might be controversial, but I, I think that they just, it's the same thing over and over every year, maybe every two years that they take a jump. I think that when I think of games and art, I think of single player stories. I think of um, the last scene with uh, Arthur Morgan in Red Dead Redemption 2 when his horse is dying 
don't and he has that it. moment. Don't spoil it. It's been out for a year and a half. It's been out I for a year and a half. I don't care. Why? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, sorry. Um, and then that scene, the ending, just the last half hour of Arthur Morgan's story in The Red Dead Redemption 2, it's, it's, it is a story of redemption. And you see a man go from being a thief through and through and being a murderer and having no emotion seeing that there's more to fight for than just blind loyalty. And I think that it is a means of conveying emotion and a means of conveying a message that should be on par with the cinema and literature because the same amount of work goes in and the same amount of beauty comes out, you know? I'd even argue that some games, like like you said, Red Dead was in the production for eight years. Uh, put in more work and effort than some movies even. Oh, yeah. Because you see movies come out year after year after year, and you kind of look at the Call of Duty franchise, and you see that, you know, there's not much progress happening there. There really um, isn't. There, there really is. Um, they see, I mean, I, a lot of people say now they, they'd make more money if they just remastered the old ones and released them. Because people don't right, like the direction they're taking now, or they were taking the, the space, the whole space exploration thing and the whole uh, double boost jumping, and people didn't like that. And you saw that with Black Ops um, Black Ops 3 and Black Ops 4. And then you saw it with um, Modern Infinity Warfare, Warfare, Infinity, especially Infinity War. They were, people really didn't like Infinity War. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so it's you, people need to experience new things. And... I understand that Call of Duty's main money-making scheme is from their linear, their linear structure, but that's, um, you know, I don't think that that's what I consider to be art, especially if it's a reskin every year, every two years. Right, right. So going quickly back to the social aspect of gaming, when you game with your friends, what's the go-to game for you right now? So right now, because we, we have a bit of a bit of a divide um one of us you is on xbox <laughs> then two of us are on playstation so our the options are kind of limited and i don't want to drop 80 bucks on modern warfare because i don't think it's worth that so we're kind of just stuck on fortnite right and that's that right now i think fortnite is doing that really well it's uh, it's accessible on all the major platforms, even on mobile, and you can almost play anywhere you want with anyone. So it's eliminated that barrier from console, from a specific console to a specific console. And I think that's where other uh, companies have to take their games to make it more successful. Yeah. Um, their business um, like structure has, has been structured to target a mass audience um that and they've been super successful with their free game making millions off of it yeah yeah for sure uh, um yeah fortnite's main money making is uh it's item shop and also it's battle pass um which is absurd because these these items they don't even give you any benefit but in my opinion it's more than fair game. it's more than fair in my opinion when when you're putting out a game and uh, it's free, and you continue to update it for free, and um, you, because Epic Games doesn't like them or not, they put a lot of effort into Fortnite, and they, it's because it's their main money maker, and, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a decent game to play. 
and and it has cross console and it's basically the main way we connect. The the price of having um, buyable outfits or whatever that's I'm willing to have that, you know, like especially since I don't spend money on it. People who want to can that's that's fine, especially since it's free. You can justify putting ten bucks into a free game instead of putting ten bucks into an eighty dollar game, you know. Right, right. Your audio is cutting out a little bit there, but you, you seem to be good. Yeah. Um. So games are an aspect of social media in a way. Um. But do you think now moving on to more like Twitter, Instagram and Snapchat, do you think they have currently been successful in reducing that disconnection gap, that social distancing uh, that social physical distancing between people. Do you think that they're working better at connecting people from around the world, even your family, um, and making life a little easier uh, to connect back with them, whether not be in person? So I won't speak for Twitter or Facebook because I don't use either of those, but I do use Instagram and Snapchat. And uh, what I've found is uh, a lot more people are active on uh, Snapchat now. At least in my friend group, I get a lot more snaps and I see a lot more snaps going out from my end than I did back then. And again, same with Instagram. I'm not a big poster, but I am. I see myself on my phone on Instagram a lot more now. And I agree with you. I think that it's a great way for people to connect, especially when they can't go out into the real world. Uh, when you have other people and their lives right at your fingertips, it makes it a lot easier to be isolated in reality. Right, your audio is going back and forth, getting loud and quiet again. Um, and to add to that, yes, um, I, I I see an increased volume on my Snapchat and Instagram. And I've just recently joined Twitter. Uh, I'm kind of liking Twitter. It's more of a, um, a caption type of thing. So if you look at Instagram, you always need to share a photo. But with Twitter, it's mainly the, your words that speak out first. Yeah. And the photo comes after. Um, my main concern is for not for me necessarily, but for everyone else. Is this a safe space where people can communicate without harassment and misconduct? In our video games, it's a lot less regulated because it's it's live, I feel. Um, but when you you can so easily bully people and harass people online um, without even seeing them. And I think that's a huge problem in our modern age today that uh, people somewhat overlook. And now more than ever, with everyone staying inside and that being ma their main uh, source of uh, connection, do you think that these companies are ensuring that people aren't being harassed or bullied on their platforms? That's a pretty loaded question. So I'll start with the gaming part. Um, you're right about it being live. I definitely agree with that. Um, I've been in, like, especially um, online on PC. A lot of PC games have really, really toxic communities. And same with, actually thinking now, especially I played a lot of Siege, Rainbow Six Siege. I used to play a lot. And that is a game with a very toxic community. I, I love it. I love that game playing with my squad when we used to play together, but very toxic, very toxic. And there's little to no regulation now because the company that makes Siege, Ubisoft, they've tried so many different things. And gamers, the people who play Siege, have always either found a way to go around it or weaponize it and turn it back on Ubisoft. So there really isn't a lot that can be done to regulate live games. 
and I won't speak for how well reporting the report system works in games like Fortnite or Siege, because I've never actually like, have to use them. I don't really report, um, and um, I don't know how they work. Uh, have you ever reported anyone in like Fortnite before? How does it work? Personally, I haven't, but looking at videos online surfacing that people just rage and lash out while they're in a game at their partners and in the in the current moment you don't really realize what you're saying but sometimes what you say to people lingers on and on and drags them to think well does this person mean it what what does this mean like this is my best friend that I'm talking to he just said something absolutely insulting to me is it does it have a deeper meaning and then it causes a little bit of um misunderstanding in friendship and can even cause to a demise of the friendship right yeah um yeah for so sure. i think i think i haven't personally reported anyone on fortnite because i don't i don't play with randoms um but i see my like personally my younger brother he's uh he's 12 now he plays fortnite all the time and i'm somewhat worried about who he talks to um because he does play in random matches with uh, with other people, and it, it concerns me a little bit about who's he playing with and what are they saying. You know, it's it's hard. It's it's very easy to influence a twelve year old into thinking a certain manner. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. It's it's really how do you protect him, and uh, how do you make sure that younger younger children they're not t- um, taken advantage of on these social platforms. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like again, going back to Siege, like it's really I've met some people by solo queuing in Siege that some of the things they say would really have profound impacts on younger people. And I think the main thing that it stems from is that people think that the screen protects their identity and therefore they can say whatever they want. And I think yeah, I've heard, I've heard terrible things, and th- this might be controversial, and gamers might think I'm like sensitive or whatever, but it's really toxic. It takes away from the fun of the game. It I. When I'm in a lobby with someone and he's swearing at the top of his lungs and he's throwing out racial slurs and he's making like really, really bad jokes. And there's kids in that lobby too, you know? You start to think, like, well, why is he saying this with his kids here? Like, why, why does this kid need to hear this? And that's why right. I think that a lot of uh, that toxicity, it, there really isn't much we can do. Even though we should, just the way that it's structured right now, there isn't much that can be done. Right. So for everyone that's listening so far, you know, feel free to drop a comment and give your opinion and your voice and uh, we'll make sure to to hear it and talk about it next time. Um, What do you think about online platforms and how can we protect the vulnerable um, from harassment, bullying, swearing, uh, all these factors that can influence how they grow up and what their thought process is? Yeah. Um, if if someone swears at you, you're more likely to swear at them back, and it just forms a, a rolling snowball until you get into a fight. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was for gaming. For social media, I stand a little bit different. I think that social media is lax on a lot of its policies, especially the uh, the age the age minimum. It lacks. Okay. It lacks. They lack a lot in terms of policy enforcement. Especially when it comes to age of registration. Instagram's age of registration is what, 13? I believe it's, yeah, 13. They need to look into how they can enforce that better. They really do. Well, 
it's somewhat on the parents, I'd say, to make sure to keep an a eagle eye on their kid and make sure that they're they're constantly talking to them. And, and if the kid wants Instagram, I'm not necessarily saying, okay, stop them if they're 12. Uh, look at their maturity level. Think about, you know, teach them about what the uh what what could happen and how to avoid certain situations online when to come and talk to you um it can't just we can't put all the blame on the company because now facebook owns instagram as you know and um i think i think that they do a good job at monitoring the content that's out there uh there can always be more that's done but in that household you got to make sure that your kid, you you know what your kid is doing and uh, and have trust in your kid, but also monitor them. Yeah. Right. And then there's this TikTok movement where everyone's trying to become TikTok famous. Yeah. And uh, I don't know about the age restrictions on TikTok, but I, I personally don't have TikTok. But my brother has TikTok and I don't know what he sees on that platform. I mean, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, they're all uh, much bigger companies, I'd say, that are monitored a, li- a lot uh, a lot more in depth and their algorithms have had time to mature. But with yeah. such a new app like TikTok, I don't know what the privacy and uh, all the content regulations are. Right. So where would you draw the line for, say, you had a kid? Where, where, where would you draw the line? What what would you prevent them from doing at say age 12? Age 12. Trying to think about what I had at age 12. Oh, what were we in at age 12? What were we, was that grade seven? Grade six, grade seven, around that age. Yeah. Seven, right? Because my sister is 12 now and she's grade seven. So we'd be, we'd be seven. Um, uh, I know that in grade seven, my school actually sent home a letter saying that it would be beneficial to get your child a cell phone yeah i had a cell phone grade seven and that was kind of the main tipping point as to when my parents got me my first cell phone yeah me too Um, i didn't abuse that privilege of having a cell phone i mainly used it to communicate with them say i am i'm walking home after school a bit later because i'm hanging out with my friends yeah or to just give them updates as to where i am and what i'm doing yeah Um, for sure I'm trying to think what I had in grades. I think my first one was a Nexus 5. <laughs> that was I, my first I, phone. I My first phone, I remember this one. This one was a Motorola G2, I think. It was a smartphone. Don't get... Don't, don't yeah, think no, mine too. Right mine too. It wasn't like a flip, flip phone. phone. It wasn't a flip phone. No, it was like a smartphone. I remember it exactly. It was a Nexus 5. Uh, bless that thing. Yeah. And those things lasted, eh? Those, they, those, did. Uh, they did. I, I abused that pretty well, and it stood its ground for a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Currently, I, I see that, like, everything's turning into glass and metal, and it's just becoming more and more fragile. Um, yeah. It's, it's kind of gotten to the point where they want you to replace that device every year. Oh, yeah. And pay that's... that top $1,000 mark every year. Oh yeah, for sure. And that, that's a that's a conversation for another episode because we can go in depth on that too. That's a whole thing. And you saw with right. uh, Apple uh, rigging their batteries to die so people would change their batteries and that, that whole thing, sure. right? But that, that's a whole other thing that we can go in depth on later on. Because it doesn't just yeah. apply to smartphones, it applies to other tech as well. I find certain companies, they do that with other tech as well. 
so can you elaborate on that? I, I don't I don't see it much else anywhere else. Like I, most of the upgrades that come in laptops are processors and graphics related. I don't yeah. see them pitching a new laptop every year necessarily, as opposed to every three years, every two years. Yeah. Um, so I was I was thinking it. more like um like earbuds and headphones. I, I got a pair of wireless earbuds. I, I won't expose the brand because it's a pretty big one, but um, I had them for like a year, maybe a little more than a year, a and year? they they just stopped working. They wouldn't turn on. That's and like and, the, and I talked to support, and he's like, "Oh, you probably need a new one." And it was Is right after my warranty expired too, oh, my year long warranty. That's the worst. And then yeah. you know you always have that option to buy that extended warranty package at the beginning. Yeah. You're like, do I need this? Because you put your tr- you stuff. put your trust in that company to be making good tech and being honest with their sales. But then that's where people right. make that mistake. I have a quick question for you. Like, how much did that set of earbuds cost you? That set and, of earbuds. All right, keep going. Keep going. And like, would you pay, would did you do any research beforehand? Were you a smart consumer when it comes to purchasing? uh like items like earbuds because i personally buy my headphones but i i do a ton of research like right now i use uh i the bose 700 yeah. series and i love it i've had it for like three months maybe no no sorry two months and i use them almost every day and i i love them the build yeah. quality is amazing they they're truly good headphones like i'd, I'd for yeah. sure recommend so but they cost me, they cost me 150 bucks, and so the research I did wasn't so much as much online research as I should have done. It was a lot of word of mouth. It it is it is a big it's like a name brand, and again I won't expose it because it's pretty well known, but uh, it was a pretty big name brand, and all I'd heard about it was good, and that that's me that's my own that's my fault for falling victim to word of mouth instead of doing my actual research. But even looking at it now. Uh, I didn't see very many of just, oh, it stopped working after years. You know what I mean? Right. So mine might have been unique, but I'm never going to buy that brand again. You know what I mean? Right. I I, I completely understand. Um, Maybe it was intentional on their end to do that, so I buy more. Maybe not. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to make assumptions. But I'm never going to buy that brand again. A lot of the headphones that I've, a lot of earbuds that I've bought, I tend to lose or they break extremely easily. Like Apple earbuds, I I was like an Apple fan for a while until I completely turned the other way and I hated them. I started hating them because I just found their products overpriced and and not really getting your money worth. Um, but I would constantly have to order a new set of earbuds probably every three months because something would go wrong. Yeah. Um. And it, it's it's not as much about like, I'd love to have a more durable lasting product, but the environmental waste that we, we have, like it's ridiculous. If yeah. you make one quality product that has a higher price tag, I'm willing to dish out an extra amount of money if I know it's going to last me and if it's a good product. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we got way off topic. Do you want to keep going with this or do you want to circle back to seventh grade? Uh, let's circle back. Let's, let's take it one step back. We can, we can leave this for another, another time, especially since there's so much we can discuss about, uh, how much material was used and whatnot. So yeah, seventh, seventh grade. Um, I had to fly out a phone in seventh grade. It was like I said, it was a Nexus five. And again, I didn't have any social media. I think I got 
uh, I think I got Instagram when I was 13 in grade eight. That's right. when I got Instagram. And I didn't get Snapchat right. until grade nine or 10. Not because, and again, I, I could have bought it, but I didn't really use it. So I always saw Snapchat as kind of a, a weird app. Like, do I, I always need to send a picture with whatever I'm saying? And then why, why do I just always need to picture message? Why can't I just text, right? Not to mention, Snap it, has a lot of etiquette, a lot of unspoken etiquette that's involved. But I, I still don't understand most of it. About when you're supposed to answer and what you're supposed to say and how you're supposed you know what I mean? It's a lot of yeah, fun. That's, there's that's a lot a of huge gate as to your opening whole, right now. I think yeah. I think we should save it for next time, honestly. Yeah, this is a um, whole like that's a whole like subculture. Even Instagram to an extent about where you're supposed to tag people and how often you're supposed to tag people and where you're supposed to like when you're supposed to post, what times and like right. feed, like themes on your feed and like it's a whole thing. It's a whole subculture. This, I'd say this culture is kind of somewhat toxic to to everyone. You know, um, Instagram recently removed their likes uh, count. I don't like, yeah, yeah. Likes. Uh, not everyone. I, yeah. I mean, I understand at first. I was, I didn't like it at first, but I understand why they did, and I think it's a good I, it's a good thing. I think that it's helped a lot with rebuilding that self confidence in people saying oh, yeah, sure. you know what share your posts share what you want to share don't rely so much on who's going to like it as opposed to express yourself in the way that you want to be expressed empowering yeah. your you and it's interesting to look at cuz basically what you can infer this as being is instagram's kind of going back on their reliance on social media culture that propelled them in the first place do you kind of get what I mean? Instagram yeah, is one exactly. of those social media feeds that relies on likes and shares and comments and whatnot. And now they're trying to undo that. And it's interesting exactly. because it's they've maybe they've seen it so toxic or maybe whatever. But like it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, so right now we've actually reached the 40-minute mark. So if you're still with us, props to you guys. It's our first episode. We promise we'll get better here. Um, also, uh, leave some comments. We'd love to hear what you guys think about our podcast so far, uh, yeah. what we should yeah, talk for sure. about more often. Definitely. Um, definitely topic ideas. We want to hear what, what our viewers, whether it's one viewer or however many, uh, we're looking for your ideas. We want to see what you guys want us to talk about too. So we're going to start wrapping it up with, uh, with a final question. Arman, I'm going to let you, uh, drop one on me. I've been, I've been asking a lot of questions to you so uh what do you have any questions for me any experiences that i've had um maybe connecting gaming social media and this entire covid situation on top of each other and just throw it at me see see what um, i can throw back any questions um your main experiences in gaming were just mostly multiplayer is that is that correct yeah that I've mainly played in multiplayer games my entire time. Yeah. I started with Call of Duty. My first game was Ghosts. It was yeah. twenty bucks. So I decided, you know what? That's not a big investment. Yeah. I'll and that's another thing it. we can talk about later is how uh, Ghosts went from being hated to people being like, "Oh, well, I wish we could go back to Ghosts." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I enjoyed it. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't yeah, looking back now, it definitely wasn't that bad. Um, but yeah, um, to continue, you enjoyed Red Dead Redemption too. Do you see yourself dabbling more in single-player narrative-driven stories in the future? Oh, oh, for sure. I've I've really enjoyed the first 
like the the campaign aspect of games i've developed a whole new respect to it but one thing that i really miss is talking to my friends while i play yeah uh, i don't know of any games maybe you know but any games that have multiplayer campaign modes oh where, yeah say me and you can play together and experience the same story at the same time yeah. There's a there's a few barriers that you'd see like oh well you guys would have to start the game at the same time, um, yeah, and you know follow at the same time and have that timing schedule. But in terms of the game, the game creators like you're selling two games to for like you fi- you get one person to buy that game, they're gonna force their friend to buy that game too, oh, yeah, so for they sure. can play together. And that's huge revenue that I'm talking about. And yeah. I think that that would be something that is great. And I really see us in the future uh, moving towards that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What, what do you think? I agree. I agree definitely with the whole co- co-op. Co-op campaigns are a lot of fun. I played a couple. And yeah, we can definitely look into that. We can look and see what we can find that's cross-platform and co-op multiplayer. I don't think there's a lot. I think our pickings are kind of slim, but we'll have to see if you guys uh, think of anything in the comments, let us know. We're, we're open to ideas. Awesome stuff. All right, so I think we're going to wrap it up now. Um, if there's any last comments you have to add, uh, feel free to share. I mean, you're just one guest. Well, you're, not, you're a co-host on this show, actually. Uh, we're both co-hosts. So if anyone wants to come on and be it's a got guest, promoted. we'd love that. <laughs> it's got promoted. Promotion <laughs> All right, no, no comments. This was great. I had a great time. Uh, yeah, I'm happy we did this, and I look forward to the future. For sure. So this is us signing off. Yeah. So me, I'll say peace out uh, to all our viewers, and make sure to tune back to Jark Entertainment Podcasts uh, pretty soon. Yeah, tune in soon, guys. Uh, take care, and uh, catch you all later.